What's going on, guys? It's Wednesday. We're coming in hot like Jake Sully on a dragon beast holding a machine gun. We're talking Avatar. We'll see you guys in just one quick second. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's action movie anatomy. Boom! Ah, there we go. Mm, take two, take two. Take two. <laughs> Some fire in my belly that still dre. It's Wednesday, we're here. It's Jake Sully. Jake Sully. Oh man, is this gonna be like a is this gonna be like a Wakanda situation? I don't know, man. I don't really know. This is, movie is is so I can't believe it's been ten years. Nor can I. Is it offensive for me to do the Natiri accent? I feel like it is. Well, it's a Navi. You're just gonna be you're just gonna be Zoe? Yes. Yeah, you can do it. No one will care. <laughs> no one will care. Uh what's up everybody? It's Action Movie Anatomy. It's Wednesday. We're here, we're talking Avatar. This is a fan favorite film. That's some alliteration for you. We talk action mm. movies on this show, and we're excited to be back. Um, man, we've got so much exciting stuff going on. There's so much crazy action news to talk about. We'll get to some of it. Um, but this is Action Movie Anatomy. It is. We talk action movies on this show. This guy right here, Andrew Guy, my co-host on this show. That's me. This guy that. right here? Yeah. Ben, my co-host on the show. He's got a giant head. <laughs> uh, I'm good. I'm good. I feel like, yeah, man, There, like so much happened between last show and this yeah. show. It feels like it's actually been a couple weeks since we've been here for some reason. Like, yeah. that's how I feel like so much has gone on this last week. Stay tuned, guys. At the end of the show, we'll give you a little bit of a teaser of kind of what's coming. Uh, we can't talk too much about it yet, but it will be revealed over the next few weeks. But we'll definitely give you guys a little bit of a teaser if you stay tuned at the end of the show. Yes. Big shout out to Kim and Kareen in the Denuso family. Yes. Uh, happiest, happiest of birthdays. Happiest of happiest birthdays. Uh, we got a birthday today. We had a birthday last week, and we just wanted to honor you guys here. Uh, Paul, celebrity of the show, deserves that shout out. Yeah, Denuso is definitely a celebrity of the show. Yeah, you guys deserve the shout-outs, so happy birthday. Uh, big Patreon shout-outs. We got Tim Welch and John Tedward Coster. Boom! We salute, we salute you. you. John Tedward Coster. It's cool to see people's names that you've seen like in the Facebook fan yeah. group for a long time. Like Another one that I've seen pop up a lot late, lately in actually the live chat and on Facebook is um, Adrian K. I'm just going to say K. Qu- Kwiatkowski? Yeah, it's like a very... Going off memory here. A lot of syllables. Yeah, I know. I was like, I, I know there's an Owowski in it and a yeah. K, uh, but it was cool to see him like sign up for the Patreon. So yeah, yeah it's terrific. always nice to see you guys uh, yes. hopping on board. So a big thank you to everybody, everybody who's helping us continue this action thing. Um, but yes, we cover action movies on the show today. We're covering Avatar. It's been 10 years. That is the reason we're talking Avatar today. It's a favorite movie of Richard Eric Jarvie, I know. Uh, another, another one of our fan favorites. We're fans of Richard Eric Jarvie, so <laughs> talking about him. Um, the movies we cover in here have four basic rules. Yes, they do. Usually. Uh, rule number one, the hero always plays by their own rules. He has no legs, and he manages to save the race. I feel like Jake Sully plays by his own rules. Yeah, I mean, the first thing he does is break out of the, the center yeah. when he first becomes an an avatar. Jake Sully. Jake Sully. It's not <laughs> offensive. It's not <laughs> offensive. I'm <laughs> uh, probably not the best to be the judge of that. <laughs> Look, if anyone from Navi yeah. is watching and they're offended, yeah. please call into the if show. If you are part of the indigenous population <laughs> and I'm offending you, look, I'm sorry. Okay? I'm just saying, making Zahalu <laughs> with things made me slightly uncomfortable. What did you call me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ben and I made Zahalu. <laughs> Uh, yes, that's a whole other conversation we need to have. Rule number two, the hero and the villain, about the movie, not what we did. About us having Zahalia. Yeah. Rule number two, the hero and the villain are always the smartest people, thinks things, dinosaurs in the room. I guess, uh, so Jake knows both sides, so he is kind of the smartest guy in the room. He's playing both sides. So, yes. And then, I guess, the villains, it's like Stephen Lang and... 
They're kind of like those dumb, like, military mindless drones and, like, corporate drones, right? Like, they don't actually seem smart. I mean, Stephen Lang is probably the smartest other person, he I is, guess. He because he plays Jake. He gets, yeah, he gets yeah, him inside, yeah. and then he, like, there's a couple moments. I think he is the smartest guy in the room, technically. Yeah. Like, yeah, he, he like, knows how to manipulate. Yeah, he's, he's like, the best part of the movie, honestly. Yeah, Stephen Lang's sweet. Yeah. yeah. I want to know where he got his scar. I do too. I, I'm surprised they didn't like talk about it or show it or like. Probably in the four hour version of this that James Cameron released. Oh I heard there's like a four hour unrendered version you can watch. I think so. That's way better, people say. I don't understand how it can be better if it's longer. Anytime people say that, that's like the BVS extended. Yeah. And they're like, oh, Batman versus Superman was two and a half hours, but there's a four hour version you can watch of a movie you didn't like and it's way better. Dude, I went and watched the extended versions of Lord of the Rings and yeah. like, I might get crucified for this. I don't think they're as good. No, they're not. Like, there's a reason why the movies are cut the way they are for, like, general audiences. There's interesting scenes. Oh, that definitely. Are cool. There's great scenes in it. And there are probably some scenes, like. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So, whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So, download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I would, I would argue at least 25% of the cutscenes that, like, if they had added to the movie, maybe it would have made the theatrical release better. But on the whole, editing is there for a reason. It doesn't move fast enough. Yeah. Yeah. And so I can't imagine that the four hour version of this is, is a lot better, but, you know, whatever. Uh, rule number three the movie is driven by a police, military, political figure. Boom! It also includes mercenary, by the way. It always feels good when we nail that one. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and rule number four, the movie contains a minimum of one explosion. There's there's hella explosions in this movie. <laughs> you like that? I don't, I don't know why it was so funny. <laughs> uh, but I did. I did like it. Yeah. Uh, really quickly before we hop into the trailer, we got Marissa Serafini up in the booth. The booth is not above us, we always point up. Uh, Marissa, you actually just watched this movie for the first time you said like two years ago. So just really quickly, like I said, before we hop in the trailer, what was your kind of, what did you think of it? I mean, I really enjoyed the world that we see, you yeah. know, from the difference between the humans and then when we go into this nice, gorgeous world and then how everyone, there's still a lot of um, humanistic elements that are still the same via the indigenous world and the human world and, you know, family and love and all that. Um, but really, I just remember it being so long yeah that's it and you didn't see like you didn't see any 3d right you didn't have like a 3d tv or anything i just watched it on a regular tv gotcha it's surprisingly long i think i have to say when i when i queued it up i didn't really i'd forgotten well i'd forgotten that it was so long but it also doesn't make as much sense like it doesn't make as much sense when the tone of the movie is what it is when you watch it back you're like this is a story that's been told a bunch of times. Mm-hmm. Like this exact story. This is this, this is, is Fern Gully. This is Pocahontas. This is Dances with Wolves. Yep. This is The Last Samurai to some degree. This like this is what this is. And we've seen this story, and you can tell the story in eighty-seven minutes if you're a Disney movie. Yep. It's it's not hard to do. So like, it, why the? Because there's nothing dark about this movie whatsoever. It's a very. I mean, literally, it's the opposite. It's the brightest movie I can think of that's ever been made. Like, yeah. It's so <laughs> incredible ne- and neon to watch that like. I don't really know how James Cameron convinced himself that, A, this needed to be two hours and 41 minutes, or, B, that there needed to be four sequels, but we'll get into that later. Yeah, yeah, I definitely, because there's something, <clears throat> I was talking to Jeff Graham, our buddy out there, and there's something I want to bring up with that. So, without further ado, mm. let's watch the trailer. Somehow my keyboard on my phone got turned into French today. Nice. And, like... That's why you said it that way. 
I, yeah. <laughs> That's exactly why. <laughs> I'm on fire today. You are. You're, you're killing me. I'd like to talk to you about a fresh start on a new world. You'd be making a difference. Should have been Bruce Greenwood. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> Perfect time period for him, too. Yeah, that would have been excellent for his career. I told myself I can pass any test a man can pass. I this trailer. It's a good trailer. It was a single thing worth fighting for. Ladies it's an exciting trailer. Oh, it's already it. way better than the movie. I mean, <laughs> Stephen Lang is so ripped. You are on Pandora. He had to should see your face. Close to 50 when they made this. For sure. Population called the Navi. They are very hard to kill. This is why we're here. Because this little gray rock sells he's well cast. 20 million yeah, a kilo. He's perfect. Their I love you, Bonnie. happens to be resting on the richest deposit, and they need to relocate. Those savages are threatening It was almost weird operation. to see him in this movie when it came out, because it already felt like his star had passed. Mm-hmm. But then he kind of has solution. come back since. Yeah, what, what a, a weird bit. career he's had. I know, he's so talented. I wonder yeah, if there's, like, there must be something with working with him, or maybe he's, like, an artiste. He's a Scientologist. He was raised as one. That's got to be it. Marine in an avatar body. That's a potent mix. You get me what I need, I'll see to it. You get your legs, big. Your real legs. Yeah, what's, yeah, yeah. what's cool about Looks this like movie is that this is your avatar. The concept of Avatar, even though it's relatively oh. simple, yeah. is so cool and exciting, and it's executed perfectly. Visually, yes. like visually, like it's that's I think why people love this movie so much, is when you watch it, it's like the idea of like just becoming becoming like an animal in you know in like another environment where like running with the animals like and I mean obviously they're not animals sweet, but like, I mean well, you, you think about like the leaps and bounds that VR's taken over the last couple yeah. of years you yeah. know it's crazy and that's the that's what's executed perfectly about this movie and that's why I think people enjoy it as much as they do because I don't think anybody would argue that like the writing or the story is what makes this movie great right this is your fault Dude, that's gonna. I'm calling it right now. Huh. Avatar 2 is gonna be like, you're gonna be an avatar. VR you're gonna experience? be sitting there in the theater as the character in the it's movie. It's supposed to come out next year, so. Hmm. I mean, I, they could do that in a year. Easy. Like, yeah. there's a technology for it. And Cameron's the type of guy to do it. God, this trailer's just like the movie. It's very long. <laughs> Jake Sully. Jake Sully. Nobody does a thing. You've got one hour. Alex McFarlane has Guy McQueenie and Bateman and Guy on her roster. Singles and teams. Oh, wow, look at that. She's a genius. So she's Team Guy, but she also drafted Bateman. She's Team Action. You're just a traitor. <laughs> Pretty sure I saw hashtag Ben the Bitch somewhere, and I think it came from her. It did come from her. <laughs> so say what you will, you're fired. <laughs> It was in a private message it to you was, on the Patreon. It was, it was. I saw it. You allow me to read now, but take whatever they want. Oh my gosh. Well, we Marissa, how long is this trailer? trailer I've ever seen? Long enough. <laughs> we've, we've actively been talking over it the whole time. Still going. That's what I did for the movie. Yeah. That thing was sweet. Tumor. Turok or Tum Turok. The big orange beast? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Turokaraka. <laughs> Kind of like Turok Dinosaur Hunter. Exactly. That's exactly what I... That's the word I keep saying. I feel like they stole the font. <laughs> Actually. <laughs> so sweet. Yeah, it was so good. Oh, right. All right. So that was so, a long trailer. It was, guys. <laughs> so coming up today on the show, we're talking Avatar. We have a few segments to talk. We're going to be talking about buy or sell James Cameron today. Right now, do you buy or do you sell James Cameron? We're going to be talking about one movie each that Drew and I both adamantly believe should have four sequels made that's yeah. We're both gonna pitch that to you guys. We might even talk over sieged, under sieged, properly sieged on our boy Sam Worthington, depending if we have time or not. But without further 
Edu. Nice. <laughs> French keyboard. <laughs> Callback. Uh, we're going to get into thesis statement. Your biggest, boldest thought about the film. Uh, the thing that if this movie comes up, you would say at a party, you drop the mic. That's what thesis statement is. You want to jump in first of yours? Yeah, I think I will. And um, talking to Marissa about this before the show, I think, kind of solidifies it. And, and what I have to say about this movie is that no film has been propelled past its actual scale, its actual quality by visuals more than Avatar. Yeah. This movie is not actually that good. But when you walked out of the theater, I remember when I walked out of the theater. I, I think I even said this when I walked out of the theater. I was like, holy shit, yeah. that was amazing. Yep. Maybe the coolest theater experience I've ever had in my life. It was, it was mesmerizing. Unreal. Yep. But I did know in that moment, if all that was taken away, that movie would have been exponentially worse in my mind. And going back and watching it this week and last week, it took me four attempts to watch this movie. I watched, in order, I went. I watched the first hour, then the second hour, and then I watched the first hour again, yep. and then I watched the third hour, and then I watched the second and then the third again, like in that order. It took me four sittings as well. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. And, and like, I was trying. I was oh, really trying. So was I. I was like, we have to do this on the show. How many <laughs> games of Clash would you say you got in during the watch? A lot. Yeah, okay. Like a lot. Well, that was the problem. This is on those last three viewings, I had to not play at all. It's a hard and fast rule for me now. I don't allow myself anymore because I can't. You I, can't. You I, get I, so I, distracted. I level down on trophies too hard, <laughs> or I just don't watch the movie. But it's You're one either or the frustrated other. or you have no idea what just happened And in then the movie. I hate the movie because I'm losing, so <laughs> yeah. I just don't do it anymore. You, like, relate <laughs> the feeling of frustration from the game to the film. I legitimately almost threw my phone across the room the other day. That's how angry it got, it got Clash me. can make me really upset. I've never thrown it. I slammed it. I was in bed and I slammed it down. Like I like to punch pillows. Yeah, it was upsetting for me. Um, anyway, we're guys, grown men. Yeah. So uh, so yes. Yeah, so that's that's a reasonable thesis statement. It I, seems, think I mean, fair. like I'm not sh- I'm not saying it's a bad movie, but what I am saying, I think, yeah, is I, fair. And I think my thesis is going to be kind of on the same path. I mean, I think what's interesting about this show, guys, and and if you're listening or watching right now, and you're kind of picking up that this is what's happening, you can gather. Neither Drew or myself watched this movie, and we're like, man. This was exactly the movie that I thought I was watching, and I'm excited to talk about how great it is. Yeah. We're here to talk about our experience of watching this movie, which will be an entertaining experience, and there's things about this movie I know that we both appreciate. That's what we're here to do. And if you love this movie and you appreciate it in ways we don't, honestly, you should leave your thoughts in the comments. You should tweet at us. You should let us know, because that's the most fun part of the show, is having conversations about things. Like, some of my best conversations have been disagreements with Kearns on, you know, why he doesn't love a movie that I love or something. Right, right. That's that's literally what the point is. Which, by the way, if you guys want to follow along, you can find me personally at Ben Bateman Media. Uh, You guys can find me at Andrew Guy. Yeah, and we have a Twitter that you can find at Andrew's a Dirty Trader. Uh, no, it's at, at Team Action Show, um, and that's the best place to interact with us there. There's some other cool stuff as well. We'll get into some other shout-outs in a bit. Um, my thesis statement is kind of similar, and it is uh, Avatar is the greatest color palette experience you will ever have watching a film. Oh, yeah. Um, and it's, like, really not even close. My, my old Annihilation roommate, was close. It's gorgeous, and, yeah. and a lot of the same kind of feelings and a lot of the same colors, too. My old roommate, Jeff Burns, who you know well, and, uh, you know, Burns, he has his movies that he loves. He's the guy who owns the Braveheart sword that we brought in on that episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Avatar was one of those movies for him that he would watch all the time. Um, and per- first of all, he has a bit of a penchant for the Dances with Wolves story. Dances with Wolves being, like, his other favorite movie of all time. He just watches the same thing. But you know I haven't seen that movie? Dances like, with Wolves? I think I've seen it once when I've I was, never, like, eight. I've never seen it. Really? It's Is on it my, on your list? It's on my list yeah. this year, yeah. I'm getting there. Um, I'll watch it before you. <laughs> but, uh, it, I mean, it's the, same, it's the same story. And and what he always would say about Avatar when I would ask him, I'd be like, you know, I don't think this movie's that good. I saw it in theaters. Like, I just don't remember thinking it was 
that rewatchable. And he would be like, it's just such a wonderful thing to look at. Like, yeah. it's such a crazy experience to look at how perfectly constructed and color corrected every frame, every shot, every leaf, every plant. Yes. Like, it's truly, when you talk about the difference between CGI and that CGI that becomes eventually dated and then CGI that's like a piece of art, like truly a piece of art that yeah. ages and it looks different than the other stuff from the time that kind of ages out. It doesn't look fake. It truly looks intentional. Like every frame of it looks exactly the way it's supposed to look. And that's what Cameron does well. I mean, that's why his practical effects became his practical 3D. And practical 3D is still something 10 years later that looks amazing. Yeah, I mean, it, it, he he innovated the whole entire industry with this movie. And that's why, you know, when we get into talking about the, the, the movies that are going to be coming after and the next Avatar is like, you got to think innovation is going to be there. Now, looking at the chat, guys... I'm not saying that visuals aren't a big part of it. And, you know, this is this is a conversation Ben and I were having this week, you know, speaking on cinematography and editing being removed from the actual part of the Oscars you're going to be watching. Don't get me wrong. I, I think visuals are a huge part of it. I just don't think a movie should drop from an A or a B plus to a C or a C minus just because you're not seeing it in 3D anymore, just because you're not seeing it in the theaters. Um, but that's neither here nor there. That's just how I feel. Uh Thesis, thesis in the chat. Is there anything I'm missing? James Cameron, Jacob Leaf says James Cameron is just as an important as an well, just as important and iconic as an inventor as he is as a filmmaker. I can see that he's done it many, many times. Eddie Green uh, posting from Terminator 101, a podcast he does I think every week about Terminator. I've been on the show before. He always has cool guests about uh, the Terminator franchise. He says here Avatar is Cameron's. Best worst film, a story told countless times before, visuals never seen before. It's a great point, and uh, it is sort of why it's an incredible movie that's also the most simplistic. Um, but yeah, that's going to be my thesis statement, so we can continue moving on yeah. with the show. Uh, thanks for being in the chat, guys. We'll continue to share your thoughts throughout the show. So uh, next up, we are going to talk about that thing that happens in the movie, mm. that thing that just really gets you going, and we call it fist, fist pump, pump moment. Fist pump moment is that thing, something happens in the movie, you kind of look around, you're like, are you seeing this right now? I'm so hyped! I get to watch the rest of this movie! You want to call your buddy and like queue it up, just watch this movie, and uh, I'm going to tell you what my fist pump moment is. I'm curious. It's a small moment, but I think it's because... It's because there's so much of this movie that I have to strain to be paying attention to and put myself in their world to okay. like relate to. And it's the moment when Stephen Lang comes and he sits down with Jake. It's after Jake's already become a part of the tribe. Oh, when he's like, you're slipping or whatever. And that he one? says, like, you got to give me time to finish this thing. And he looks at him and he's like, you better get to it then. Right. And you're like, oh, yeah, you're not going to give him time. No. You're 100% going to kill all these people. Stephen Lang knows. And so does Jake. Yeah. And Jake knows this just from the look that he gives him. It, this is on. This I, is not, not going to go well for my people. This guy is not my friend, and he just used me, and I don't know what to do. I do love those scenes in movies where it's like two people sit down, and they have a conversation, and they both walk away exactly how they felt when they walked in. You know what I mean? No matter what was said. He's just a legitimately intimidating character. <laughs> he's and, Yeah. And he's great. And the thing that's so great about him is like, so take, for instance, last week we did the Shawshank Redemption. Great episode, by the way, guys. Drew McQueenie comes on and tells a wonderful story. Check oh, it out. Oh, yeah. Um, we talked about the warden. And the warden and how kind of black and white cardboard of a villain the warden feels. Like, where is his character motivation? Why is he so evil? Well, you could make the same argument for Stephen Lang, except the difference is he's the warden of a prison with a family and he's making right. deals on the side. Whereas Stephen Lang's a military man. And he's also looking out for human race, like humankind. And he's a military man. Yeah. So, like, in his mind, he's like, I'm following orders. 
I'm never going to stop doing my job because no. my whole life is this. This is what my life is. So you don't really have to wonder why is he so why is he so intent on stopping the things that are in his way. He's intent on stopping those things because that's his job and that's the only thing he knows. Mm-hmm. So it makes his character way more defensible because like we all understand the way the military works and those guys, those military men that are in for for life, they are they are trained. Their live, brains work in one way and die by their mission. Yeah, so. yeah. He he. So <clears throat> I was actually gonna. Richard made a post or a, a comment here about his thesis saying that uh, Quar Quarich is that is that Rabisi or is that Quarish? You can just call him a shit weasel if you want. I don't know who. I don't. I, well, I want to make sure that it's not Lang. I don't even know. But so speaking of Lang, is like he doesn't feel as cardboard as like the the the, the, the warden. warden did. Yeah, he just felt like more dimensional. I think it's also just because he's a very good actor. Like all of his scenes were really compelling and like yeah, yeah. I just I just really love him. He's in got this presence movie. for sure. Yeah, dude. I I love Stephen Lang. I'm, a, I'm a huge has, fan. He has all the presence that Sam Worthington does not have. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Poor Sam. So <clears throat> my fist pump is gonna be. When Lang equals Quaritch. Okay, cool. Thank you, Marissa. Yeah, so I think he actually has some dimensions to him. I, I get that he is just like a straight-up bad guy, but yeah. speaking of Lang, my fist pump has got to be, first of all, the Navi and their arrows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love the bow and arrows. The fact that they're like javelins. And they're huge. They're massive. Yeah, and like how strong they are. When she, when, when Tiri finally gets to Stephen Lang, when yeah. she finally gets him at the end when he's about to kill Worthington, I don't know what it is, but for me, those... The I double arrows, those big arrows, the double arrows, and you just see him. He's he's done. What character is it reminiscent of? Oh, it's it's um it's from uh, it's Boromir. Yeah, exactly. exactly. It's the same so thing. It's the yeah. Same <laughs> thing. So I was like watching. I was like, this is just Boromir, but like bigger, yeah. and better. And yeah. I loved it. Yeah, it's sweet. Yeah. I agree. It's funny that Lang is for both of us is our fist bump because I totally agree. Like he's the. He's just the guy that, like, when he's on the screen of that movie, I'm the most compelled. Oh, 100%. I mean, I think a couple people's fist pumps is just Lang. Yeah. They just say it's just Lang. And he got and he got a bit of a career boost off this movie. I mean, I believe, if, if I remember correctly, he got a Fox show called Terraforma. <clears throat> is that right? Oh, yeah. Terra like, something. I remember that. It, it, Terra, it wasn't maybe Terraforma, but it was like there was... Terra Nova. Terra Nova. Yeah, Terra Nova. It lasted, like, one or two seasons, and there was that show Cameron produced called Falling Skies that didn't right. have him, but, like... Over the course of the next couple of years, there was a few things, and I know he was Lang, in Don't Breathe, which I love. Yeah, that, the scary movie. Yeah, he got elevated. I think he had just been kind of a career character guy. Who Avatar was a big moment for him, but um, yeah, I, I just I just did hundred percent agree that. Uh, oh wow, Jacob Leaf says he met Lang once. He was really cool. That's awesome. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, <laughs> their bones are reinforced with naturally occurring carbon fiber. They're very hard to kill. Yeah. That's a sweet line. He's just got, like, a lot of good scenes. I mean, he just, yeah, he, he steals the movie from me. But uh, that's Fist Pump Moment, guys, so be sure to share yours in the chat here. We'll try to share a few more of yours. Let's uh, let's continue rolling through the show. We're going to get into career profiles right now. Yeah, so this is very, very interesting on both these sides. So, like, yeah. <clears throat> Zoe Saldana might just be, the like, one of, if not the most famous female actress in the world. Like, one of. But, like... Is it because she's blue and because she's green and because she's this and that that she's not actually because she doesn't just play herself in movies a lot, right? Like she's what not she looks actually like. Actually, that famous is what you're saying. Yeah, but she is though. You know what I mean? Like she is literally one of the biggest stars in the world and has been for a long, long time. This was ten years ago. And as we know, with motion capture and like what we see with Andy Serkis, you know, it's like that shit's hard and yeah. it's amazing. And she does a great job in this character. And her and like. You know, Gamora's arc in Infinity War is incredible. So, like, Zoe, back in 2008, she was doing Vantage Point, 
The Skeptic in 2009 and Star Trek in 2009 yeah. and Avatar in 2009. And then she starts doing Marvel movies a few years later. Like, how is she just, how is she like low key the most famous female actress in the world? Yeah, I mean, she's had as much or more success than almost any <laughs> other beautiful. actress. I yeah. actually have a question. Do yeah. you think she's the biggest actress in the world or is she in the biggest movies? She's definitely the world? not the biggest actress in well, the world. That, yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying, though. Is like she's not the biggest actress at all, even though she keeps popping up in the biggest movies. Yeah, I mean, she's in the biggest movies. And I mean, I, I think some of the fact that she's less of a less of a household face and name is the fact that obviously you you know people don't necessarily remember that it's Zoe Saldana because the character doesn't look like Zoe Saldana really mm-hmm. and you know as Gamora she obviously looks like Zoe Saldana but she's green and she's covered in makeup and the Star Trek movies are now a few years old you know the last one that was really significant came out in like 2013 yeah so i mean she is super duper famous and she's well loved but definitely she hasn't had that breakout dramatic performance where like she was in the David O. Russell movie alongside Jennifer. Uh, right. Uh, uh, Jennifer, I'm having a stroke. What are you talking about? What movie? Hunger Games. Hunger Games. Oh, Jennifer Lawrence. Lawrence. There you go. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> yeah, I just had a struggle, struggle there. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's interesting. And, and, yeah, I remember, like, Zoe Saldana, she was an up-and-comer at this point. You know, I know she had been working, but she <clears throat> wasn't really known at that point. Now, on the other <clears throat> side of things, you have truly an unknown. You have Sam Worthington. And, and we talk about this a lot. But yeah, one of the most fascinating careers in Hollywood. These guys happen sometimes. You'll see this where it's what, what the way it works, guys. You usually uh, out here we kind of see this sometimes is yeah. somebody will come to Hollywood. Let's say they've been working for a long time. Let's say they've been in some local TV, maybe in another country, maybe they've had a small role in a film, whatever it is. A casting director, a producer, someone will get a hold of this person, and they'll decide, I'm going to put this movie, this person in a big movie. Mm-hmm. Their agent starts spinning that story to other agencies around town, to other projects. Now, all of a sudden, the Hollywood machine is, everybody wants to know who is the Sam Worthington guy. Why is he going to be an Avatar? Or maybe it wasn't Avatar first. Maybe it was Terminator Salvation. But whatever it is, they all start kind of spiraling together, and somebody will get cast to shoot a bunch of things back to back to back. Now, usually you'll see it in like a group of three or four projects. Sometimes they come out of it successful. Sometimes they don't. Washington's a guy that really didn't come out of his very successful. You look at a guy like Jason Clark, who yeah. sort of had that moment. He managed to come out of his with Jai a lot Courtney of success. Courtney is another guy who didn't really come out of it successful. Yeah, you look at uh, Garrett Hetland when he started. He was like this 19-year-old from Arizona who like had the same thing happen. You know, Four Brothers, Friday Night Lights, and Troy all at once. Right. He managed to turn it into a real career. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But in this case, it's not that he's bad. He is just that generic lead character. He's just too boring to continue to be leading movies. Yeah. Like, or he's just not compelling enough. Now, for instance, when you throw him in Hacksaw Ridge, he's great. He's like a supporting captain or whatever, you know? Yeah, right. And, and, and I really like him in that movie. And he's in, I mean, yeah, like we saw him in Everest. Like, he's had roles. The guy, yeah. the guy works, and that's the thing. is like, you can't really be in Terminator, in this movie, in Clash of the Titans, all, like, the same year without... I mean, basically within a year of each other... crazy. ...without having a career afterwards. Like, you just... You know, he will work. He's a recognizable face enough. Um, But you have to wonder. You're like, what did Cameron see? What was the process like that Cameron saw this guy and was like, I'm going to take this guy's non-American accent, I'm going to make him work as my lead American Marine, and there's something about this guy that is so good, I can base... The biggest movie I've ever made in my entire career, the most expensive movie of all time at that point, maybe still, on this guy. I'm going to bank it all on the success of this guy being compelling and his voice working. I mean, that's one of the most interesting things about Cameron, right? Is like, even Sigourney Weaver. 
like Sigourney Weaver, Michael Bean, Ed Harris, Sam Worthington. These are not leading men and women, really. Like Sigourney the most by far because of James Cameron. Yeah. But like everyone else, he's always been like a pretty interesting guy in the sense of he's taken these people that are really better as supporting actors and putting them in the lead because it's not about like the story. It's not about their performance specifically, you know? It's very interesting. So that being said, uh, we're going to get into production development and we know James Cameron. Yeah. We know him very well. We've talked about him many, many times, times on this yep. show. You know, he he was a truck driver trying to make movies to make his or trying to make money to make enough movie. Wow. <laughs> trying to make enough money to make his first movie. He was a truck driver and then, you know, Terminator, Terminator, Aliens, these things all happen and now he is who he is. So we don't need to talk about that. What I do want to talk about is this buying and selling idea. Yeah, guys, so we we introduced a segment a couple weeks ago, and today we are bringing it back. This is buy or sell James Cameron. Are you buying him for the rest of his career? Are you selling right now based on the success, the accolades? Where do you put him? Do you think he's worth betting on or not? I'm going to start with you, Drew. Do you buy Cameron or do you sell Cameron? This is going forward. This is 2019 forward. It's so crazy, man, because, like, it's James fucking Cameron. Yeah. Right? Like, without a doubt, one of the greatest directors ever. However... I sell James Cameron because this happens a lot to to directors, and it also happens a lot in older age with certain just entertainers where they get their they get stuck on something. Yeah, he's stuck on Avatar. Yeah, and he needs to not be stuck on it. Like, look at Scorsese and what he's still doing. You yeah. know, like Wolf of Wall, like the the vast difference in the movies that he's making, the the unique titles that he's coming up with, and it's like Cameron's like I'm going to be working on Avatar from 2009 until I die. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. I, but I don't care, man. Like, yeah. the first one wasn't good. In, like, it wasn't great. It was good enough. And, like, I could have seen a second and a third one within the next six years, but not the second one ten years later. Um, and I also think that, like, you look at all these directors now that are incredible storytellers that have beautiful visuals. Like, look at Denis Villeneuve. Yeah. Like, I, I know for a fact, and you can tell even by the casting. Yeah. Look at the cast of Dune. Everyone is dying to be in that movie. Everyone is dying to see the cast of that movie. Denis is literally what James Cameron was t- 20 years ago. Which finger would you give up to be in that movie? The one that is the most <laughs> important. You would give up a thumb. I, the thumb or, or the index? <laughs> yeah, you'd give a finger. I'd give them both up. <laughs> <laughs> to be in that movie. Like, yeah. That cast is just absolutely it's insane. Nuts. He just keeps adding cool person after cool person. So, will Avatar 2, 3, 4, and 5 make money? Yeah. Will they will one of them be amazing? Probably. But I'm still selling James Cameron because if I could buy Denis Villeneuve or if I could buy Taylor Sheridan or if I could buy James Cameron, I bet you he still costs the most. I'm going to I'm going to counter with the flip side of this. I figured. I'm going to say that I buy James Cameron. Okay. And it's it's a hard one to stomach. I had to really think about this cuz you know, I mean if we just both were selling Cameron, I think that's a it's a fair point. I I think your points are totally sound. Yeah. I buy James Cameron for a couple reasons. The first one is you never, you never, ever, ever can doubt somebody with the level of success over the amount of time that Cameron has had success. Like, I don't like. Let's just pretend that James Cameron makes Avatar two. It does come out right. Like it comes out next year the way it's supposed to come out. Nothing goes wrong. <laughs> let's say Avatar two comes out and it bombs. It's three hours. It isn't good. No one likes it. People don't see it. It loses money, and everybody's like, "Oh, he shouldn't. He shouldn't have made Avatar 2. First of all, it's highly unlikely if that happens that he makes Avatars three, four, and five. But he can. Maybe. He still has to get a studio to give him... 
he doesn't he can't sell finance these he can't spend 500 million dollars on a movie i know but i but don't you feel like if anyone can get money from somewhere it's james cameron sure but yeah. i also think that like 10 years later 11 years later james cameron makes avatar 2 at bombs i think he shelves avatar 3 and he makes a different movie um he's one of the few people i can think of that could experience the bomb level we're talking about and I think could actually recover from it and still make another classic. So you're essentially saying that James Cameron has to go through a billion-dollar bomb and you still buy him. I'm saying I buy him even after that. And the second part of it, too, is, like, anytime you kind of hear the story in Hollywood that there's something happening that you're like, that shouldn't happen. And it's, like, logically, you just that's there's no way that should work. Right. Most of the time, it doesn't end up happening. So, like, take, for instance, all the Brian Singer allegations and how he was still attached to Red Sonja for, like, a year after it started. Mm-hmm. He's finally That movie has finally been shelved. And it's like, yeah, we all knew that was going to happen. But the people that were clamoring for it being like, I can't believe they're going to let him make this movie. It's like, they were never going to let him make that movie. Or you take, for instance, David Fincher was going to direct World War Z 2. It's like, we were all like, why is he doing that? That there's no reason David Fincher should be doing a sequel to World War Z. Eventually, didn't happen. But again, these are all people that don't have the power. Like, Fincher does not have the power that Cameron has. Even though Fincher is incredible. Yeah, not even close. And, like, I mean, you know, uh, someone in the chat saying, you know, one of Cameron's movies has made more than all Den- Denis Villeneuve's. Well, one of Cameron's movies has made more than 90% of every director ever all put together. And then I, I you think know? my last point is, like, look at <clears throat> Phil Jackson. Phil Jackson was courted by teams for years and years and years. Finally, he was like, all right, you know what? Yeah, I'll look come what out. happened when he... I know, I'll do the Knicks thing. Yeah. And then he, they gave him a ton of money and they fired him and he doesn't have a job. And that's, like, if James Cameron was to take this Avatar 2 thing and it bombed a billion dollars, I guarantee you studios would be like... So are we going to let him make Avatar 3 and lose another billion, or let's let another studio do that? I, I just still think it's like the dude that tells James Cameron no. He's like, all right, cool, fuck you, then I'm going to go next door, and they'll give me a billion dollars. Uh, the fact that Brolin just got cast in Dune is also insane. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't so see crazy. that yet. People are all talking about it. Um, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> buy or sell. I mean, here's the thing. James Cameron will make more movies. Those movies will make money. Uh, just like if I had a perfect dream roster of directors or like, let's say if it was like if I had to pick one of these three guys to kill between like Scorsese, Cameron and Spielberg. Yeah, it's probably Cameron. So, guys, in the chat, <laughs> do you think that James Cameron is a buy or do you think James Cameron is a sell? Let us know in the chat here. And if you're listening to this or you're or, uh, watching it on YouTube later, leave it in the comments below. Buy or sell James Cameron. Let us know. Who do you kill? What? Scorsese, Spielberg, or Cameron? Oh, man. This is uh, – what, what was the thing we did on the thing the one time? <laughs> nope. Furniture <laughs> shopping. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, oh, man. Scorsese, Cameron, or, or Spielberg? Spielberg. Uh, I kill Spielberg just because no, we're not, there's no other options there. We're not playing the game. I'm just <laughs> asking you to kill one. Right. You really, you really kill Spielberg. I almost went down that road. Yeah, I, I know you what did. I, was doing. <laughs> I saved you. Yeah, I kill Spielberg. What? Cause of the post. I just don't enjoy his movies anymore. What I was find the last movie that Cameron made before Avatar. It was Avatar. Oh yeah. <laughs> Great film. <laughs> We're right. here to talk about a great film. Today. All right, moving on to box office and critical. This is obviously where things get very fascinating. Uh, this movie was produced by Fox. <clears throat> it cost two hundred and thirty-seven million dollars to make at the time. Was massive, a quarter of a billion dollars to make a movie. It was released in December of two thousand and nine. Uh, looks like you're winning all these. Uh, I can see that. Yeah, you can just, I'll just read my. I wins. mean, I already knew that. That, <laughs> that that's what that's what a bunch of people that are like scared to be wrong do. Like, obviously, James Cameron's still going to make money, but I guarantee you, in five years, Denis Villeneuve will be exponentially more. Stoke famous. the fires, guys. Get him going. Just saying. <laughs> uh, 
$760 million domestic. That's a lot of money. $2 billion worldwide for a grand total of $2.7 billion. And it was number one its opening weekend at $77 million. Absolutely insane. Here's the thing I can't can't figure out. What was that sound? I don't know. (laughs) The thing I can't figure out is what was... what was the thing in 2009 that could make this movie make $2 billion worldwide? Like, how was this movie marketed to the rest of the world that somehow the rest of the world was like, I care so much? I think, you know what I think it was? I think it's the literal end of the era where you could make tentpole movies that didn't have original, IP, that didn't have uh, uh, adapted IP. Like, yeah. superheroes as a genre, the MCU, stuff like that, like, we weren't into franchise world yet. So, like, James Cameron could still be like, I'm going to make this original sci fi epic. I'm going to create it, and you guys are going to see it. It's it's probably because you think about, I mean, like, I, you know, I was just in Tokyo, and I think about, like, the idea of the technology, right? Like, that America yeah. America was actually ahead of the world in, in this type of technology. Maybe yeah. it was it. Maybe, like, everyone in China, everyone in India, everyone in, in, like, all of Asia was like, we need to figure out what happened here, or whatever it is. Or maybe it was literally just the fact that it was a new type of 3D no one had seen before, so everyone in the world had to go see it for $13. Like, I think if I think if Avatar 1 comes out today with an equally, like, equally like, innovative level of technology, like you said, like, let's say Avatar 1 was a VR experience. Right. And, like, every theater around the country that was showing it was equipped, like, Cameron paid for, like, a VR Do you think it still makes set. $2 billion? No. I mean, I would have went to it, but, <clears throat> I mean, again, in the States, it still only made, like, what was it like 700 million something like that yeah i mean you have here people are saying so alvin and the chipmunks 2 was its biggest competition since matt movie 611 you know there weren't any other movies out when this movie came out and like that's it's a fair point i mean 2009 around christmas time i do remember like this is when the hurt locker was in theaters yeah you know the big oscar movies that people were that were getting pushed that year were like crazy heart the blind side had been a really big movie that year you had like precious was a really big movie they're all that like year. really big dramatic oscar draws not like a fun family movie yeah like most of those movies <clears throat> uh most of the 2009 stuff was 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 kind of a soft year in a lot of ways yeah uh, i mean like for, for again for like blockbusters yeah, and it's also, I mean, people remember this movie getting the extra push because this, this is the year where, you know, post-Dark Knight, the Oscars were changed to include more than five Best Picture nominees. So, you know, then this movie gets the Best Picture nomination. There's buzz. It had come out towards the end of the year. So, you know, early next year when it was still in theaters, it got nominated for Best Picture. Um, there's just a lot of this a lot of this movie that just, like, it, right place, right, right time. Right place, right time, right marketing, yeah. everything. Yeah. And, I, and the short trailer was sweet. So... <clears throat> IMDb gives us a 7.8 Rotten Tomatoes, 82% all the way across the board, all top and audience. Uh, we have favorite line next. Is there? We, do you want to work on? Do you want to go to one of those other games or no? Yeah, I think that's great. Yeah. Let's, okay. let's get to it. So, guys, uh, as we've talked about, there are four sequels, three sequels or four sequels planned. I think it's four. I think there's Avatar five in the works. Yeah. So there are a ton of sequels uh, that are on the books for this. So right now, guys, stay tuned because Drew and I are going to pitch one film each that we believe deserves four sequels. Ridiculous or serious doesn't matter. This is something that we would love to see a series of five. It can have no sequels in production currently. Uh, or at least that have been released. So we have to come up with a movie that we believe we love and should have four sequels. Do you want to go first or should I? I'm going to go first and it's going to be, it's, it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. Mind bending. It's, it's hella crazy. It may hit. <laughs> Can't say it twice. Uh, most people are going to like roll their eyes. It's Wind River. I know it's crazy. You just want to see. If Je- I could literally <laughs> see 
four more movies written by Taylor Sheridan, starring Jeremy Renner, solving mysteries. I would fucking be so in. That's a great. That's a great one. I think like so. You're just like, like Jeremy Renner. Now you can't just put him in the same location. No. But it's like he gets hired by the FBI to be like their tracker, yeah. and they like send him around to like be that guy and deal with like gnarly murders all over the country. Like, out in the wilderness. Like, I would, Wisconsin, Alaska. <laughs> yeah, you, right? I'd watch the shit out of I it. would watch that in a heartbeat. Yeah. Like, it's, it'd be so sweet. And it's also just, like, <laughs> it would never, <laughs> ever happen, ever. So I love the idea of it. I mean, we did see a little bit of the issue with the with the Taylor Sheridan sequel and Sicario, Sicario Day of the too. Soldado. Yes, which exactly. is, like, literally just taking a concept that was sweet and then expanding it and it's just, like, not being very good. Yeah. I don't think that movie's bad. That movie just doesn't feel necessary. Um, the first one is just so incredibly like compelling and like you're on the edge of your seat. You have no idea what's going to happen. It's yeah. like dark. And the second one is just kind of like a throwaway action movie. Yeah. Is it my phone or your phone that's giving that little cell I static? I was on, I was on mine cell. farther away. Yeah. I was, I'm, I'm rarely in the <clears> chat <throat> though. Though now I am. Um, it's all good right, to guys. have you in the chat. Thank you. It's <laughs> lovely. Um, uh, okay. So people are saying, uh, that it's actually four movies, not five. But that doesn't matter. That doesn't affect the sake of our segment. Are you guys ready for the film that I think deserves four sequels? Uh, Billy Belford just said uh, Minority Report. It's Bedford. It's Belford. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I'm ready. Uh, Guys, I'm going to go with a little movie called Gone in 60 Seconds. Gone in 60 Seconds. (laughs) And I'm going to tell you what. I I want to go in 70 seconds. I want to go in 80 seconds. No, what I want, what I want is Memphis Reigns to be hired in the same way that you're talking about, the same way that you are talking about in Wind River where Jeremy Renner would be taken around the country to solve mysteries. I want a heist crew, and I want <laughs> Memphis Reigns to be the heist master. I think he should be robbing banks. I think he should be stealing cars. I think he should be in disguise teaching at elementary schools to infiltrate, like, pension programs and shit. I want Memphis Reigns doing it all. I love it. I want him I want, I want. him to catch a Lakers game. I heard we got Shaquille. Got Shaquille. Uh, I heard we got LeBron. <laughs> yeah, I want... I want because my thing is Nick Cage. What would he having... say? Would he say, uh, I heard we've got the basketball King James? Yeah. That's what he would say. <laughs> He'd say. Maybe catch a Lakers game. I heard we got Shaquille. Um, he, I don't know, but I want I want four sequels to Gone in 60 Seconds. I would I would love it, especially if they leaned in a little bit and did a little bit of like the self-referential comedy. Right. They made the Gone in 60 Seconds franchise actually just like more like Fast and the Furious. And they Bel- just started adding a bunch of people. Belford, does he steal boats in the sequel? Then planes, then spaceships? Yes! <laughs> Cage is in space! Cage in space. I mean, uh, they him and Cruise up there just hanging out. They kind of did make a Gone in 60 Seconds too. It's called National treasure and it's him stealing the declaration of independence there's three of those movies there's two there's just the two the book yeah. of secrets i've okay. never seen any of them you gotta watch them they're really good yeah the first one's okay doing a cage really good yeah. uh there are four more movies don't ever correct me on my show again fans <laughs> <laughs> yeah drew's, uh, drew's pissed i'm pissed so uh, yeah it goes all the way through avatar 5 i love what people have said here in the comments though so they've gone uh <laughs> I love four more twing 12 angry men maybe uh we got more obviously tom cruise now paul oyama crazy pick for me i know it seems absolutely absurd but four more social networks following four different moguls that oh. would be badass ben ben literally is you gotta cut <laughs> i'm, I'm losing i love that movie so much i uh, uh big shout to paul oyama for uh, debuting recently in the movie trivia schmodown um yeah he wants to be a heel yeah do you have what it takes Hey, it was announced that he's got a match coming up, right? That's what's going on? I think so. I, yeah. yeah, and I, I hear... Um, I don't think his match played yet, did it? Or did it? I'm not sure. I feel like it might have actually aired already, but I'm not going to speak on it because we don't want to do anything that we've we've done before. But welcome to the league, Paul. I hope you never step into the ring against me because I'll destroy you. 
yeah, it's uh, it's exciting to see. You know, Paul, you've been playing in the in the various different fan leagues for a while, and I know you've been quite the killer in there. So um, I know there was an article written on Trivia SD about you. I just don't know if your match has actually played yet. Yeah. Um, so if you want to just say in the chat if it has or hasn't, that way just, we can talk on that. Yeah, exactly. Because because uh, I don't want um, to. Says <laughs> tomorrow. Jones. He says tomorrow. Yeah, he's literally panicking. He's sweating right now. Oh yeah, you're yeah. ready to go. Don't worry, we've spoiled things before. We've definitely spoiled <laughs> things before. Uh, Brett Jones wants and has fallen movies to never end. Love the idea to that. Jacob Leaf says four more sequels to The Prestige. Ben and I would be 100% down. I like the social network idea, four more moguls. I think it's really sweet. Yeah. You, the problem is you'd have to get Sorkin and an adequate director, somebody on, like, Fincher's level. To yeah. Because I wouldn't want to see just, like, some shitty fill-in director or some shitty fill-in writer to uh, – to try to do that it just wouldn't work the whole four more hunter killers says yeah. belford abby starling Star- national treasure is legitimately my favorite movie of all time oh look at that abby we yeah. salute you uh, you know that i have a i have a replica of the declaration of independence that i at my nicholas cage themed <laughs> birthday party a few years ago was given to me by Stephen lemieux who is the uh, executive producer of this network and uh he got it for me in like a tube and then he I had everyone this. at the party sign it for me, yeah. and I still have it. I, I've been intending to get it framed for a while. we got to hang that up. And Oh, there's a strong point, actually. Uh, yeah. Steve Jobs kind of is the spiritual second movie in that series, isn't it? Because it's Sorkin and another adequate director, yeah, Danny Boyle. For sure. I was kind of adequate. thinking about that, but like... Yeah, and I, dude, I would watch three more of those in a heart. I love both those movies so much. Did you see the trailer for yesterday, by the way? Yes. How good does that look it looks so good i'm like wait why did what made you what made you think of that danny boyle boyle's directing it yeah is that what it is okay i didn't see who's directing it but yeah yeah, i watched the trailer yesterday and it was like fascinating yeah and i love the very end when it shows the the two guys walk in yeah and one of them doesn't have shoes on yeah which is the classic abbey road thing yeah they said you stole their songs yeah i can't wait wait to see what happens there yeah it's gonna be great so uh marissa did you see the trailer for that I have not. You no. got yeah. As soon as we're done, you got to queue up the, the trailer for yesterday. You'll love it. The premise of the movie is that this guy. If the, you know, I mean, this is you see it in the trailer. But the yeah. premise of the movie is that like basically this guy is a singer songwriter and he wants to be a musician. And all of a sudden, like there's a big power blackout. He bumps his head and the whole world uh, wakes up and no one's ever heard of the Beatles or and, any of their songs. And he starts like playing Beatles covers. People are like you're the greatest songwriter of all time. Yeah, he like, like starts the... playing Let It Be or something. Yeah. And they're like, Oh my god, did you just write that? He's like, It's the Beatles. Yeah, yeah it's, it's amazing. It looks really, really sweet. So uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, we're gonna get into the next section of the show, and that's gonna be favorite line. Um, do you want to go first, or should I? Uh, I think I have one. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is actually a good one. We can open up to the chat because a lot of you guys are like longtime fans of the movie. So let us know what some of your favorite lines are. I have oh, a few. I remember what stand mine is. out to me. Hey, what do you got? <clears throat> so mine is that Taruk is his name. Is he the warrior? That's the orange thing. Oh, bird. Gotcha. <laughs> it's when Worthington's flying above it. This is almost actually my fist pump moment. Yeah. But I love it. He's like, Taruk is the biggest, baddest creature in the sky, right? He hunted nobody, hunted him, right? So why would he ever look up? Yeah. I like that. That's sweet. It was sweet. It was yeah. like a very, like, military, like, bro-y. I don't know. It just felt like yeah. A, eh. I like when uh, you see, when you see um, Jake Sully give his speech. <laughs> and, he, and everybody gets inspired. And the guy's like, I'll be your wingman anytime. And then uh, it cuts to Stephen Lang giving his speech to his troops. Right. And he's like, that is a fact. And then he gives the other last part and he ends it and he's like, that is also a fact. Yeah. And I was like, yes, we're going to get a showdown. He's so good, dude. Yeah, he's, he's the best so part. good. Uh, I love, I love, uh, uh, there's a couple more in here. Well, the one that I was like watching the movie, she's like, there are 10 to the sixth power trees and there are 10 to the fourth power connection. I was like, I was like, what the fuck are you right? talking like this? Yeah. <laughs> 
I know. That, like she's, I, I think Sigourney is the other best part of the movie. I know she is outside. Yeah. yeah. But uh, Jarvie says here, favorite line. Sigourney says, I mean, they're pissing on us without the courtesy of calling it rain. That's good. Uh, Liam Gilpin says favorite line. This is low gravity. It'll make you soft when you get soft. And will eat you shit. You put dead with zero warning. Uh, shit you out dead that was a typo on your part Jake I read your typo every, <laughs> every living thing that crawls flies or squats in the mud wants to kill you and eat your eyes for juju bees sometimes your whole life boils down to one insane move yeah <sighs> I do think I couldn't decide as I was watching if I thought that the voiceover was offensive or not like part of me felt like it was part of me felt like it was lazy like a lot of this movie was just like we need to explain everything. So Jake's going to be giving voiceover and we're going to kind of disguise it in like, he does these video journals so we can sort of try to weave the video journals into the, into the voiceover. And that's how you can just deal with exposition. Just felt kind of cheap. Well, okay. So now, now let's talk about two things. There's, there's two things that I want to talk about before we end the show today. Mm -hmm. Um, the first one is I want to talk about the, what was it called? Zahiru? Zahalu. Zahalu. This is a thing that we did. Yeah. (laughs) It's a weird decision. On their part, because, like, Zahalu is, like, basically, it's bonding with, like, the network and the trees, but it's also basically what happens when Jake and Natiri do it. That What do you mean, basically? It it's is. 100% what happens. But then it's also, like, what he does with his dragon. <laughs> I know! <laughs> and it's, like, I don't... There's like a there's like a level of like we're all connected that's supposed to be the story and that's the part of it that I get is that like everything is love and everything is connection. I'm very uncomfortable. <laughs> but also like him like dominating his dragon beast sexually basically is weird. It, well, like, yeah, because he's like beating it into submission and he's like, Gah! and he's like, fu- take it, take it. It's fucking weird. And man. he's like, ah, we're one. I, I'm like, like very uncomfortable. Yeah, it was weird. Well, uh, my friend comes over halfway through the movie and she's never seen it before. Yeah. And she's watching, she's like, what the fuck is going on? She's like, yeah. this is really uncomfortable. Yeah. She's, like, she's like, is she beating, is he beating that animal to like connect with it? <laughs> and then the next scene is him hooking up with Materia and she's like, is he doing the same thing yeah. with her? I, I didn't know how to explain it. I agree. I it, was like, we got to start the movie over <laughs> it made me it made me feel a little weird um that's the one thing i wanted to ask you about and then the second thing that i wanted to talk about um god i got so sidetracked talking about Zahalu that i don't remember i don't remember it anymore um <laughs> shit <laughs> it's all right it's all right so while while you're rethinking that there's a lot of questions on the ama page and all about action page that are specifically is this the most overrated movie of all time I don't uh, think so. No. I don't think it's the most overrated of all time. John Harrison's really just throwing some shade at this movie. I've got, this movie sucks. Yeah, it does no, not it gets, hold up. It gets Super overrated racist. in all caps. This movie is so shitty. OMG. Wow. You, can, if you'd like to add something constructive, also, I'm reading your comments on the air. This is your opportunity. Or tell us why. Yeah. <laughs> William Belford, a little weird? You should feel a lot weird. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. The whole Zahalu thing made me super uncomfortable. Um, AMA <laughs> question, like, again, the, the one they asked the most was... Was is this the most overrated movie of all time? And and I don't think so. I don't know what the most overrated movie of all time is. I remember my second point. Okay. Um, so here's the problem with this movie compared to all the other James Cameron movies. Visually, it's unbelievable. Yes. There aren't any good characters in this movie. The closest thing to a good character is Stephen Lang. And Stephen Lang, you have no idea where he comes from or why. You just know that he's a military man. And you know nothing about his back history. Is the, even, even just showing us how he got the scars would have been sweet. Like, like, like Sigourney Weaver is a kind of good character. But like the, you don't have a scene and you don't have moments between characters in this movie that like 
I'm concerned for their well-being or I'm like, wow, I could watch that scene again because the dialogue and the acting and the performance and everything was just so compelling. The emotion, the whatever. The Abyss yeah. scene, which was like, the, that's the camera movie I had seen the least that I'd never watched. Same. Was like so incredible and memorable to me because that of that drowning scene. Drowning scene is one and, of the greatest scenes ever in a movie. And we revives her. It's like amazing. He's so intense. Like that is what can. God damn you, bitch! You never gave up on anything. Yeah, it was so. T oh, two's oh. got great scenes. Like there's just so many moments in a lot of his movies that really stand out. And this movie just doesn't. The 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 characters just. And he doesn't have the excuse of it coming early in his career. It's yeah. the last thing that he did. He get he he already had the paint me like one of your French girls. He already had I'm on top of the world. He already had every great moment he's ever had in his career. Yeah. So that's why it feels a little odd. So um, that's the thing that I honestly couldn't figure out. I bring, it brings me back to my initial point when we started the show, which was just like this is a Disney movie that's been made before. So like this is a little bit of when you give me two hours and forty one minutes of Pocahontas, it's beautiful. Yes. But I, at a certain point. You know, when I sat down to watch the last hour of this movie, I turned it on and I literally couldn't believe there was still an hour left. I was like, this is yeah. like Mulan's 87 minutes. This There's 60 <laughs> more minutes of this movie. I've already watched the length of a Disney movie. No, I, I completely agree. When I, I remember when I got I just like moved my, my mouse and I was like, oh, my God, there's another hour and 10 minutes. I, I couldn't believe it. So um, <laughs> John Harrison, very, very vocal about his feelings on this movie. So, Ben, there's three action movie categories. Uh, they are totally ridiculous, <clears throat> totally legitimate, and ridiculously legitimate. I think it's applicable to explain them here. Totally ridiculous. Uh, that's going to be Con Air, Demolition Man, Face Off. They're silly. They're awesome. They hold together. But, you know, they definitely make you laugh a lot. And, yeah. and you're kind of loving them because of their good badness. Uh, totally legitimate. That's going to be everything from Gladiator to The Fugitive to Lone Survivor, uh, Prisoners. You know, they're, they're intense. They're serious. They hold together really well. There's never a moment where you're like, I'm fist pumping because this is silly but great. Yeah. And then the middle category, which is ridiculously legitimate. And this is one where Point Break and Predator the and Rock. a lot of our favorite movies, they're driven by some really strong, strong component, like something that really grounds the movie. But then they have some of that cheese to it as well. But it's like it feels like you're watching something classic that you have to understand how to appreciate because you just love this kind of movie so much. I think it's totally ridiculous. I know it seems crazy because there's so much about it that is like it took so much time and effort and like yeah. everything. But for some reason, I go back and I watch this. There's not one movie on this entire show that has taken me four attempts to watch. Yeah. And it has to do with the length and, and like how compelling it is. I know that I could watch Independence Day Resurgence in less than four views. You know, I'll I'll give this the middle category. Um, I think totally ridiculous is is fine, and and I could see the I can see the justification. I think that I can imagine sitting down because I remember what this was like watching it the first time, and I can imagine sitting down and being in a mood where I really wanted to watch something and focus, and it wasn't like I was trying to appreciate it, but like I was like I have the time, I'm going to appreciate this movie. And you can buy into the story. The For sure. Like, the, the relationships are real. He I does... think the relationship between Natiri and, and Jake is maybe the reason why. Yeah. Like, if that was just a... If you could just latch on to that a little bit more. Yeah. Maybe? I don't know. Yeah, it just, it just doesn't totally work. Um, so... Oh, wow. We've got some deleted messages from John. Oh, yeah. He's out of here. Congratulations, John. Um, so, yes, that's going to be my vote there is going to be uh, the middle category. Ridiculously legitimate. Thank you guys for watching today. Um, we've got one last thing left. That's going to be the pitch. I like that you've added to sound. Yeah. It's good. It's cool. Um, we had changed up the schedule. We had mm -hmm. something in mind. We saw a movie. We liked it. It's produced by James Cameron. It's called Battle Angel Alita. Yeah, it's fucking sweet. It is really, really sweet. It comes out tomorrow, I think, for everyone. 
Oh, did it come uh, out? Yeah, Valentine's Day. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it comes out tomorrow, I believe, for everyone. If you guys can, take your honey to go see it. Maybe go with your families. It's actually a sweet movie. I think you could you could take, like, your kids, too. That it's are awesome. a little old enough. It's pretty violent. It is. It's PG-13, though. Yeah. And it was just fun and good. And, like, we'd seen Mortal Engines recently, and it was... It almost felt like what Mortal Engines was trying to do. Yeah, both legendary producers. You have James Cameron <clears throat> producing this, and you had, you know... Uh, Jackson. Yeah, Peter Jackson producing that. You know, in both cases, you had a related director, and you had kind of a female character in a world they didn't totally understand uh, with crazy effects. And Mortal Engines is, was was very, very bad. And this <laughs> yes. Battle Angel Lita was awesome. I walked out of it thinking, and I don't know if I still feel this way, but I think it was my favorite movie of the year so far. Yeah, like, I definitely felt that way walking out. It is interesting to see some of the negative reviews that have come out. Um, yeah. And then the last thing that we want to mention before we go, we kind of teased it at the beginning of the episode. We said we might little give a little bit of hint to what we've been working on the last week. Yeah, so guys, we uh, Drew and I are kind of expanding this thing. There's a few details we can give you, and there's a few we can't yet. But if you do stay tuned with us here and on the Action Guys, which this week we're going to be doing Oscar-related show. Yeah. Uh, we're going to be – it's a kind of a cool one. There's some snub conversations, some discussion of this year's Oscars. Um, and you guys can follow us there at, over on Collider Podcasts. But we are expanding this action brand a little bit. Uh, the, the name we're going to be going with is Action Industries. Yes, we are. That is going to encompass everything from this show to our Collider Podcast show to our now-separated characters in the movie trivia Schmodown, Patreon content. Uh, there's going to be new stuff coming out, and we have asked last week – we announced it – some of you guys to help us out with it. So a couple of you we've had conversations with. There's some others that we may be having conversations with. Drew and I are still kind of finalizing truly the, the scope of what we can accommodate in terms of coordinating people to help us run this thing. But we really want to build something special, and you guys will hear more details soon. That's the exciting news. Yeah, we are so, so incredibly grateful for all the people that submitted to wanting to help us. We we definitely want all of you involved. We just got to create positions for everyone and make sure that we can manage all of these people. So as Ben said, very much more to come, but that is going to do it for us today. And Avatar, Marissa, as always, thank you so much in the booth. Yeah, thanks, Marissa. You're welcome, gentlemen. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, we'll be back. We salute you guys as always. Be yeah. sure to check us out on Twitter. Bye, guys. From producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Popcorn Talk Network or its owners or principals.